Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to a podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Welcome Kirk Herb Street is on the phone. It is Monday, May 15th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody had a great Mother's Day weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I hope everybody's ready for a busy, busy, busy Monday Aaron Torres pod. If you cannot hear, I have been gone for a few days and I am fired up to talk on today's show again. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. So here's what we're going to talk about on this first Aaron Torres pod in a week, because it is going to be a jam-packed show. This time of year, I get to kind of, uh, you know, kind of dive into stories that I might not get to otherwise. And so what we're going to do, I actually want to start with the John Morant story that broke on Saturday night into Sunday as the NBA star once again finds himself in hot water. I find this to be one of the most fascinating things that I have ever seen in in sports in general. And I think it's an interesting story to start Monday's Aaron Torres pot. From there, we will get to the much lighter college sports stuff. The college hoops portal closed, but guess what? There was still a lot of action. Uh, Three, four, five big names enter at the deadline. We will talk about that. We'll talk about Keisha Johnson and, uh, you know, his recruitment as it appears to be essentially be down to Arizona and Kentucky. And of course, we will also talk about St. John's picking up a big commitment out of the portal as well. And finally, we will wrap. Did you see what happened on Friday? Another college hoop story as my boy Mike Effett Woodson does it again. Indiana picks up a five-star Mackenzie and Baco. That is how we will wrap today's show. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, if you're new to the Aaron Torres pod, uh, one thing you need to know, is that this time of year, sometimes we go a little bit off script. Yes, this is mostly a college sports show. Yes, there is always a lot to discuss in the college sports space. But one thing I like about calling this show the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast is that sometimes we can dive into topics that we otherwise normally wouldn't. Today, I want to do exactly that. Thought about leading with Bob Huggins, but the Bob Huggins story is about a week old. It's been resolved. There's really nothing new to add to it. So instead... I want to focus on this fascinating John Morant story. He once again finds himself in hot water, and I'll be blunt. 
I have never really seen an athlete, a prominent athlete who, you know, uh, I've never really seen a prominent athlete make the same mistake over and over and over. And right now it does feel like he is putting his career in jeopardy. And let's hope that is the worst as he continues to put himself in jeopardy with some very dumb decisions. So for people who have not seen the story, I think most of you probably have, but by now, John Morant, star of the Memphis Grizzlies. And to be clear, I like Ja. Um, you know, I, I I had Matt McMahon, his college coach on this show many times, been following him since the early Murray State days. Uh, but on Saturday night, John Morant, star guard of the Memphis Grizzlies, was caught on Instagram flashing a gun uh, while as a passenger in his friend's car. That in and of itself is not like the worst thing that has ever happened in the world. It's not the worst thing any human being has ever done. But unfortunately, it follows a string of events all involving John Morant, all gun-related, and it's just this trend that keeps on going, going, going. For people who are not familiar with John Morant's background, remember, it was just two months ago, early March, that he was suspended by for eight games by the Memphis Grizzlies for, guess what, getting caught on Instagram with a gun, at a Denver strip club that that followed. That was the, that was the another incident on top of the one on Saturday, but there were other incidents before that. There was an incident with his friend at a Memphis Grizzlies home game in which uh, basically the Grizzlies were playing the Pacers. There was words spoken during the game between the friend and the, the Pacers bench after the game, uh, John Morant and his crew, you know, his, him and his friend and other people were seen driving by the Pacers team bus, uh, pointing a red laser at the team that was believed to be a gun. It was not John Morant, but he was allegedly in the car. Then you have two other incidents, one involving an alleged assault at John Morant's house. A pickup game happens. Ja isn't happy with something. He goes in the house, gets a gun, comes out and allegedly assaults a kid who's a high school athlete. And then there was another incident at a mall where, again, John Morant allegedly uh, approached somebody with a gun that was very unhappy. And so clearly the NBA is not happy because he uh, was suspended for that those eight games back in March, supposedly went to therapy, supposedly learned his lesson, supposedly sat down with J Jalen Rose to uh, air it out and explain how sorry he was and how, how much he needed to learn and how he had learned from this lesson. And instead, two months later, he is again in trouble and again suspended indefinitely by the Memphis Grizzlies for his behavior. And so where this gets interesting, I think this story is kind of a very interesting and complex story because it doesn't have like the benchmarks of guy or girl does this or that, right? Like, like so people, there are people, and, and I'm not here to tell anybody that their opinion is wrong, but there are people that are defending John Moran. One, they have said correctly that as of right now, no laws have been broken. And that on top of that, has he even, um, you know, that, that he, and it's important to note as well, not only have no laws been broken, but he does have the Second Amendment right to carry a gun. And so it's a complicated issue, and I'm not here to tell you how you should feel about guns. But where it gets interesting is a couple things. One, I do think it's worth noting that while I do believe there are perfectly logical reasons to carry a gun, I don't believe that having them to flash on social media is one of them. And that appears to be John Morant's preferred use of gun. It's not to hunt for his family. 
It's not to protect himself or his family. By the way, I would say if he feels like he's in that much danger, uh, there are other athletes who do travel with armed security. Floyd Mayweather has said many times he carries it. He he travels with security, says, I can beat anybody in the ring. I can't beat a bullet. Like that is literally a Floyd Mayweather quote. So he's not hunting. This is John Moran. If he feels like he's in jeopardy or not safe, there are ways to protect himself. But more importantly, just because he has the right to carry a gun, the NBA as a private business has a right to say, we don't like you carrying that gun. And so one, for people who have asked, right now there appear to have been no laws broken, assuming that the alleged assault that happened at his house didn't go down the way that it is being alleged. Um, But two, there is still an NBA code of conduct. And so first off, he did break the NBA code of conduct the first time in Denver at the strip club with the gun. The reason being, NBA players are not allowed to do anything team-related with a firearm. Not allowed to be in a team facility. They're not allowed to travel in uh, you know, in, in a team situation. And that's what John Morant did with the gun. So that was why he got suspended the first time. And what I would add to it is, even if you think that John Morant didn't break any law, it's clear that his employer is unhappy because this is the latest incident involving firearms in this kid. And so I'm not here to say that he broke any laws, that he belongs in jail, this and that. But he did break the NBA code of conduct. And two, more importantly, um, you know, it's clear that his employer is unhappy. So for anybody defending, oh, the Second Amendment this and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Your employer still has a right to dictate certain terms to you in what's acceptable and what's not. John Morant has clearly broken those terms. And so when I look at this John Morant situation, that is what is so fascinating to me. You think about everything that John Morant is putting on the line, that everything John Morant is putting at risk for what? To carry guns, to look cool, to look cool on social media. Because again, if he doesn't feel safe, there's two alternatives. Don't go where you're going or bring security with you, which other professional athletes, other celebrities do. And so when I look at this John Morant situation, that's what makes it so fascinating because one, as he continues to break the NBA code of conduct, he continues to piss the uh, you know his employer off. The first thing that stands out is he's putting a lot of money at Jeopardy. Like this is a guy, he signed a $213 million extension last offseason. And really, there aren't that many ways to not get all of that money. Don't get arrested and end up in jail. We talk about this all the time. Remember when Calvin Ridley got, arre- uh, got, got busted for gambling on NFL games? And I said, look, Basically, if you're an NFL player, now we're talking about Calvin Ridley, but I said, said, if you're an NFL player, the one you, you basically have two rules. Don't get arrested and do anything that is so bad that you're going to go in jail and can't show up to the facility on Sunday. And two, don't bet on NFL games. And if you don't do either of those two things, you're going to get all your money. Well, Calvin Ridley did, did one of the two unforgivable things, and now he didn't get paid for a year, although he's back this year. And it's kind of the same with John Moran. There really isn't all that much that you can do to not get the $213 million that's guaranteed to you. I think it's 193 with up to 213 million with incentives. But one of the things that you could do is continue to break the code of conduct and put that contract in jeopardy. You break the code of conduct enough, they can void that contract. So that's one, you're just putting a ton of money on the line. But two, and I think this is important, He's putting his safety and his friend's safety on the line as well. And I think this is obvious, but like, listen, I'm not some gun aficionado, 
But you start flashing that thing. You look cool on Instagram. You look cool on social media, whatever. You do that at the wrong place, at the wrong time, the wrong club, the wrong this, the wrong that. People don't know that you're an NBA player. Somebody sees it and feels threatened. That's when you're putting yourself in jeopardy. For what? To look cool on social media, to look cool in front of your friends, to look cool in front of people that you don't know, to prove that you're supposedly something you're tougher than people think you are. I think it feels kind of dumb to me. And here's the other thing that I keep thinking about. He's putting himself in jeopardy even without, like he's just, like, I think what stands out to me about this John Morant situation, he's just putting himself in really bad situations. So one thing I was thinking about is I was reading all the reports on Sunday. The report in which the alleged situation in which he had people over his house, the high school player, they get into an altercation. He goes in the house and gets a gun. Okay. Let me just ask a simple question. Why is John Morant letting strangers play pickup at his house? One, first of all, he goes to get the gun. Who know, Who's to say this, this other guy doesn't have a gun? Two, why do you have strangers in the house in the first place? You're worth 200 plus million dollars. It's like, you know, th- there's an old famous Nick Saban saying where he basically says to his guys, he says, guys, don't mess around with anybody who has less to lose than you in any given situation. So if you're with a female and she's got nothing to lose by being involved with you, that's a bad situation for you. Friends, you want to hang out with people that are friends that have nothing to lose. That's a bad situation for you. Nick Saban famously said, and this was quoted in a book, if I'm going to cheat on my wife, it's going to be with Hillary Rodham Clinton. And the the, 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 the thought process is because she's got more to lose than I do. And I'm the freaking head coach at Alabama. And so I bring it up because I'm thinking about John Moran. Why do you have people at your house? They have nothing to lose. Maybe this, this, this other guy started something. Maybe he didn't. But who's to like, like, I'll give you another example. Okay. And I thought about this. Do you guys remember Sean Taylor? Maybe the greatest football player I've ever seen. Washington, then Redskins, University of Miami. Go look, and this is this is going to get dark here for a second. So I'm sorry I'm all over the place. It's a serious show, Monday, lead the week. But go look at what happened to Sean Taylor. He got attacked at his house by people who had been in the neighborhood the previous couple weeks, I believe for a family get-together, okay? And Sean Taylor didn't do anything wrong, and rest in peace, and I don't mean to bring him up in any kind of negative or derogatory way. But John Morant, why do you have strangers in your house? Why do you have people there? Why are you pulling? It's just such dumb behavior. And I think the worst part about all of it, the worst part about all of it, he doesn't seem to care. He doesn't seem to care. Like, it's one thing. Listen, we were all young ones. We all did dumb stuff once. If I I listed everything I did in my 20s that was dumb, like, I'd run out of paper, right? Like, you have to cut down the whole Amazon rainforest to get everything out that I did wrong when I was young. But hopefully, as you go on in life, you learn from your mistakes and you don't make the same mistake twice. And so for John Morant to have everything on the line that he does financially, um, taking care of his family, taking care of his friends, setting up his his next generation for future wealth and generational wealth, his own livelihood. Like you think about everything that's on the line for John Morant and he doesn't seem to care, gets busted with a gun in Denver. Breaks the NBA code of conduct, eight game suspension, does two days of rehab and goes on with Jalen Rose. Oh, I'm so sorry. I learned so much. I'll never do it again. And two months later, he does it again. Now, I'm not here to say he's completely blameless, but obviously, look, the the friend that seems to always be involved, I believe his name is Devontae Pack. It was actually his Instagram 
that John Morant got caught on on uh, on uh, I guess it was Saturday morning. But you know, listen, I don't know if it's his friends. You know, I think his dad too often has enabled him. I think his dad enjoys kind of that celebrity life. But that's the scary part to me. You get suspended. Don't really feel like you learned anything. And there is another incident where John Morant did something dumb. And I'll just say one, I hope he doesn't throw his career away. But more importantly, I hope he doesn't do something dumber and put him or his family at risk. I just want to do take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to get to some fun stuff. That was serious. That was a a little bit of a heavy topic. What do you want from me? It was serious, you know, but I think it's an important conversation to have. We'll take a quick break. We will come back. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the College Hoops Transfer Portal, baby. It's our favorite topic this time of year. The portal officially closed last week. But guess what? There were a lot of big names that got in before the portal closed. We're going to discuss them. We're going to discuss some of the players already in it, like Keyshaw Johnson. And oh, by the, oh, by the way, my boy, Big Rick Energy, Rick Patino. Oh, baby. He got himself a big commitment this weekend. Take a quick break. We will be right back. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook in the Betfred Sportsbook app. The NBA playoffs are here, and nobody has you covered quite like Betfred. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,200 shops in the UK. They have since come to the United States and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres podcast and all things Aaron Torres media, but also the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And what I love about Betfred Sportsbook is that nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. You've seen the Betfred Sportsbook suite at Bengals games. It is hopping. We have sent listeners of this show to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitches at Colorado Rockies games. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred Sportsbook does. And here is what they are doing for the NBA playoffs. How about this for a deal? Bet $50 on any game, all playoffs long, get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, here is what else Betfred does for you. They're going to give you up to $200 in insurance for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So, Maybe you make a bad pick. We all do. We've all been there. Trust me. You followed my picks in March Madness. It happens. So you bet 200. Doesn't work out. Get 200 insurance for the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, equating up to $1,111 in free bets thanks to Betfred. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred does. Love working with them. They are the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod. Tell them Torres sent you. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app right now. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. Hi, back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Do want to switch gears and hit on our favorite mid-spring topic here on the Aaron Torres pod, and that is the College Hoops Transfer Portal. And so it's interesting because before I left that final Friday episode, uh, I kind of said, like, I think the portal's pretty much done. Hunter Dickinson is committed to Kansas. Most of the big names are out. But I did warn you. I said, now, just keep an eye. May 11th, that was this past Thursday, I said that was the deadline where you had to have your name in the portal if you wanted to transfer this year, and that there could be a couple of big names who decide to enter before the portal closes. Whether it's a player who's looking for a new school, a player who is in the NBA draft that is just trying to keep their options open should they want to come back to college. Well, fast forward to Thursday, and the portal is very much like that gif of the Undertaker where you thought he was dead, but he opens up the grave and he is coming back. And so this is what I want to do. I want to go through what happened in the portal while I was gone. About three or four new big names in the portal where they could end up. Uh, an interesting development for a player that had been in the portal, Keisha Johnson. And then we'll talk about the one to two big commitments while I was gone. Not a ton of huge commitments, but there are a few worth discussing, including one from our king. Big Rick Energy, Rick Potato. But we'll get to that later. Let's start with the new names that have entered the portal over the last couple weeks. And I want to start with a name that if you are a regular listener of the Aaron Torres pod, especially, by the way, in the springtime when we talk a lot of college hoops roster movement, a name that should be very familiar to you, that is Arthur Kaluma from Creighton. Why is that name familiar? It's because about a year ago, as rosters for this past season, the 2022-2023 season, were being finalized, I, I, I really liked Creighton, and it was in large part because of Arthur Kaluma. He had a breakout kind of final 10 or so games of the season, highlighted by 24 points against Kansas. Remember, Kansas two years ago ended up winning the national championship. Uh, Kaluma was really good, and, and I said on this show, I said, I really think he's coming back. This is the kind of guy that could play his way into the first round in 2023 in the NBA draft. And really, he is the guy that is going to elevate Creighton. Well, little good news and bad news from Arthur Kaluma. Um, he didn't quite have the season that we expected, but he was still a really, really good player for a team that ended up in the Elite Eight. Finished averaging 12 points per game, about six rebounds per game. Should mention, by the way, he's about a 6'8", 6'9", wing, super athletic, super strong. I believe he has an NBA future. And so he played this year at Creighton. It went good, but not great. And after the season, he kind of entered the NBA draft and really did kind of the goodbye Creighton graphic that we're all, you know, thank you for the two years. Blue Jay Nation can never thank you enough. But right before that deadline on Thursday, he did go ahead and remove his, or excuse me, still in the NBA draft, but put his name in the transfer portal as well. Now, what's going to be really interesting with this player? Now, I would argue it, he might be probably, in my opinion, maybe the second best player to enter the portal all offseason behind only Hunter Dickinson. What will be interesting about him is, does he decide to see the NBA draft process through 
Does he stay in the draft or does he elect to come back to college for another year? Now, what I would say is my understanding, talking to some people, sending some DMs while I was away on vacation. I couldn't even text, didn't even have cell service. But when I saw his name was in the portal, I sent a few DMs. My hunch is he ain't going back to Creighton. For whatever reason, the two sides, I don't think he's mad at them. I don't think they're mad at him, but everybody's just kind of moved on. So the options are really, does he stay in the NBA draft? Does he come back to college? I do think he is planning on seeing the NBA draft process through. I went and looked at a couple different big boards. You know, Sam Vecini, who I think does as good a job as anybody on the NBA draft stuff for the athletic. He had Arthur Kaluma as the number 55 prospect in, in his NBA draft right now. So we're talking about a fringe second round pick to an undrafted guy. And so I think we have to prepare for the possibility that this guy is coming back to college. Now, where would he land if he comes back to college? There has been one school that seems to have elevated itself out among everybody else, and that's the University of Arizona. He played his high school ball in Arizona, um, you know, homecoming type deal. And oh, by the way, he is a perfect fit for what they want to do. Super athletic, get up and down. I don't think it's fair to compare him to Ben Matherin or Dalen Terry from two years ago, but you can see what players of his skill set can do in that system. So yeah, I think Arizona should be considered a favorite. It's also worth noting they need a guy of his exact skill set, which is interesting because we're going to talk about another guy that they're going after, Keyshawn Johnson, in a minute. But it's also worth noting this. I think Arizona's probably got to be considered the favorite. But listen, if we've learned anything this offseason, it's that once a guy puts his name in the portal and he starts seeing what real options are out there, interesting things develop that we weren't expecting. Oh, by the way, his former teammate, Ryan Nemhard at Creighton might be the best example of that yet. Thought he was a done deal to Arizona, ends up at Gonzaga. But I would say if he comes back to college basketball, I would expect Arizona to be the favorite. Let's keep it going with another very interesting player who entered the portal right under the deadline on, I think it was Wednesday into Thursday. Former McDonald's All-American Julian Phillips, who played last year at Tennessee. Really skilled, really athletic player, about 6'7", 6'8", and kind of an interesting story. He was a guy who was committed to, how about this, our boy Will Wade and LSU. Then Will Wade gets fired a year ago. He reopens his recruitment. It comes down to Auburn and Tennessee, and it feels like everything's trending with Auburn, and at the last second, he decides to go to Tennessee. Now, this isn't a knock on Tennessee. You guys know I love Rick Barnes, had him on the show many times, but when he committed to Tennessee, it felt like kind of a weird fit. Yes, they needed a player of his skill set, but Rick Barnes notoriously, um, you know, he's not the kind of guy that is just going to put the ball in a freshman's hands and say, go make plays the way that a, a Coach K used to, the way that a John Calipari has the way that an Eric Musselman has. Rick Barnes is kind of much more, you know, you got to earn everything, you got to whatever. And so I bring it up. It always felt like a weird fit. And it just never fully clicked with Julian Phillips at Tennessee. Now, he didn't have a bad year by any stretch of the imagination. But you go back and look at this past season, um, you know, a couple nice games. He did have a 25-point a, a game in the Battle for Atlantis, that great Thanksgiving Day, uh, Thanksgiving time event. But in general, it just never really clicked because Tennessee was a deep team. Tennessee is a not a program that is going to just give the ball to freshmen, as I said, and let them play. And also, they're just not a very elite offensive team. Julian Phillips averaged about eight and a half points per game, four and a half rebounds per game. 
But I do believe you put him in a bigger role in the right system in college basketball. I believe this guy can be a superstar, like 18 points per game, and play his way into the first round of the NBA draft next year. Now, like Kaluma, this is where it kind of gets interesting. Like Kaluma, he is testing the NBA draft waters. And because he's a year younger, I don't know if he's even more athletic, but he is a crazy athlete. The, the draft stock is a little bit higher for Julian Phillips, who really projects as kind of that new age three and D. If you can get him comfortable shooting behind the three-point arc, he has all the tools to be that elite wing defender that every NBA team so desires. Because of it, he's probably more of an early second round pick, probably will get drafted. So the question now becomes, does he stay in the draft, which my hunch is, is probably most likely, but if not, Can a school convince him, hey, look, you can be a second rounder and you can do whatever and make your money and try to be on your way. Or you can come play with us for a year. We believe we can play you into the first round in our system. Now, in terms of what schools stand out, the ones that probably to me make the most sense, I've heard since before even enter the portal that that, that Auburn would be very interested in a player of his skill set. Like some of the pieces that Auburn has coming back, assuming Janai Broom, their star, uh, their star center, ends up coming back as well. Um, but Auburn, I think, is one that's natural. He almost picked them over LSU coming out of high school, almost picked them go- uh, over Tennessee when he committed last spring. So that's a school worth following. I've heard some rumblings of Texas. Texas is all out on those five-star freshmen, but have done a good job in the portal with Max Aismith and a few other guys. But Julian Phillips, he's another one. If he seriously considers coming to co- back to college basketball, he is going to hear from just about everybody in the sport, and it'd be fascinating to see where he ends up. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's keep it going with a couple new names in the portal or new names that we haven't talked about. Really quickly, um, Ernest Uday Jr. from Kansas, very interesting name. And it is proof that even for the best teams, the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. That's because shortly after Hunter Dickinson ended up hitting, uh, ended up committing to Kansas, Ernest Uday Jr., who's really a, a really nice piece, but probably a project, 
he's a year away from being a year away, or maybe that's not even fair. Maybe he's just a year away. Probably a guy that really could have been a breakout kind of star as a junior. He was going into his sophomore year, decides to enter the portal after the commitment from Hunter Dickinson at Kansas. So Kansas's Ernest Uday is now in the portal. Listen, the, the stats don't jump off off the page for this guy, but he is a developmental big. But I'll say this. I think there's sometimes we use the word developmental and even a best case development. I think the ceiling is still like good college player. This guy, I think, is like all American NBA player if he develops the way that he, you know, the way that that you would want him to. And so now it just becomes a question of where are, you know, where would that fit be? Again, he averaged about two and a half points, two rebounds per game. But Bill Self, like Rick Barnes, isn't the kind of guy that is just going to, you know, just throw a freshman out there and let him go. But despite it, let's make no mistake. This is a kid that is very much in demand. Um, You know, this is a kid that is very much in demand since he has hit the portal. He was a McDonald's All-American. Again, a guy that I think just about everybody is going to have interest in now that he has entered the portal. Um, you know, I've seen a couple lists of things with him and who could be recruiting him. Again, I believe he is a player that just about everybody will be interested in, um, and we will see where he ends up as far as that's concerned. One last player that I do want to talk about who's not really new to the portal, but is a very interesting name and a guy that, uh, you know, listen, we're going to do it in a minute with Mackenzie Mbako, who's not a transfer. He's a high school player. But sometimes in life, I just got to take an L. And I got to take an L because there is a player that I have not talked about enough in this portal cycle who I actually really like a lot. And shame on me, give myself a little slap on the wrist that I have not discussed him earlier. And that's Keisha Johnson of San Diego State. He entered the portal probably about two weeks after San Diego State's dream run to the national championship game and really had a quiet recruitment. And then right before I left for vacation, he ends up releasing a final five. And it appears as though with his final visits done, he's really down to two schools, Arizona and Kentucky. Now, we just talked about Arizona and their need for kind of a big wing. I want to talk about Kentucky in a minute. But before we do, let me tell you a little bit about Keyshawn Johnson, because, again, it's really on me that I haven't done a better job of talking about this kid. Because what I can tell you is. I love this kid, okay? And and I think most people know I live on the West Coast. Because of it, I'm just allowed to watch more Mountain West basketball than most of you guys and girls. I understand most of you live on the East Coast. Most of San Diego State's games start at 10 or 10.30 or 11 p.m. your time. But I've watched San Diego State for years, and this is a kid that has always jumped out to me, okay? This is a kid that's about 6'8", 6'9", super athletic. Like, like you even like, like San Diego state was one of the deepest, most athletic teams in college basketball this year. And even on that team over the last two or three years, that is a kid that has jumped out. And I remember watching him about a year or two ago. I said, that's an NBA player right there. That's at least an NBA frame. And if he develops, that is an NBA player right there. And it's interesting because I've, you know, it's never really kind of totally clicked in terms of like, like I I thought he'd be an all conference guy, a second round pick, all that. And it was funny because I I just mentioned Sam Vecini and I saw him at the final four and I almost asked him super randomly because remember San Diego State was there. Like is, is Keyshawn Johnson an NBA player? Because I believe that he is six foot eight, plays really hard, super athletic, super long. And he's just a player that I really like. 
Now, the one thing he does not do well, he does not shoot the three ball well. I think everybody who's listening this far into the segment knows that. Uh, But he does just about everything else well. He's been part of winning teams. If you don't play defense at San Diego State, you are not going to be on the floor. And so now the interesting part, again, becomes where does he end up? I'll be blunt. I always try to be transparent with you guys and girls. Traveling, don't have a great feel for if anybody truly leads. But as I said, it feels like all indications are he just visited Arizona. He just visited Kentucky last week. And that Kentucky might, or excuse me, that those two are probably the favorites to land him. So why do I bring it up? We just talked about Arizona's need for a big wing. Let's talk about Kentucky. Because Kentucky fans, I will say this. I've been critical of John Calipari. You need to be more aggressive in the portal. I believe if John Calipari gets this guy, this is the perfect player for who Kentucky needs and what they need out of a player. Before we go further, I know what Kentucky fans are going to say. Oh, my God, Torres, blah, 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 blah. He's not a good three-point shooter. Well, let me just say this, okay? If Keisha Johnson was a 37% three-point shooter, I'm just going to tell you right now, the dude would be in the NBA. Like, the dude would not be in the portal looking for somewhere to play college basketball. But so you look at everything else that Kentucky needs. Size on the wing. Athleticism on the wing defensive versatility, a veteran presence on a team that, as I mentioned on the last episode, Kentucky has right now five freshmen, two players that are going into their second year on campus that are developmental guys. They need adults in that locker room. And so that's why I like Keisha Johnson. I believe he checks all of the boxes. And the one thing I'll say is this is I've heard some stuff about two things is one um, that, you know, He should go to Arizona because he would start at Arizona and he would come off the bench at Kentucky. And I've also heard this from the Kentucky perspective, and I'm not criticizing anybody, but, oh, he played a role at San Diego State, and so that's why he wants to, and that's why he'd be comfortable coming off the bench at Kentucky. I don't believe that to be true at all. Let me explain why. When I was at the Final Four this year, the one thing that struck me was that San Diego State had a bunch of dudes that were just fully bought into, like, The sum is greater than the parts. This is how we win. We play 10 or 11 guys, whatever. Uh, Agueka Rop was one of my favorite players all year. He unfortunately just had a very personal situation go on in his life, lost a younger brother. But I bring it up because I remember talking to him. He's like, dude, I love this school. I love my teammates. I love my coaches. I don't mind being the sixth man. Jaden Lede, fifth-year guy who redshirted last year. Like, who redshirts anymore? And he volunteered to redshirt. So San Diego State had a bunch of dudes. Some is greater than the parts, but Keyshawn Johnson was really the one guy that when all the San Diego reporters kind of asked him, hey, you got this extra COVID year, what are your plans? For the most part, they all he, he was the one guy that said, we'll see at the end of the year, I'm not committing to anything. And so I bring it up because, listen, whether it's Arizona or Kentucky or one of his other three finalists, now I do think UCLA or USC, excuse me, is out. They took DJ Rodman, Dennis Rodman's uh, son, but... I bring it up because any of his three schools, I think he's going there to start, and I think he's going there to play big minutes. And I know what a Kentucky fan would say, oh, there's no room for him in our front court. Really? Because you're taking him to replace Chris Livingston if Chris Livingston stays in the NBA draft. So you think Chris Livingston is going to come back to Kentucky and not start? Because if you think Keisha Johnson isn't going to start, then you need to think that Chris Livingston isn't going to start, and that's not really the case. And so I'm rambling, but I believe this guy is coming to Kentucky because he knows there is a specific need for his specific skill set. 
And I will see what Oscar Sheboy does. I understand that Aaron Bradshaw, the five-star center, um, does consider himself to be more of a, a, a new age five, a Giannis that can handle the ball and do everything. Listen, you get him there and you figure it out. If you can get Keisha Johnson, you do. He commits next Sunday. So there's no doubt that whether it's Arizona, Kentucky, or someone else, we will be talking about him. One final note in the portal. We talked about a lot of guys that have entered. I do want to take about 10 minutes to talk about a player that committed while I was gone. His name, Jordan Dingle. Okay, Jordan Dingle played at Penn, 6'3 guard, the second leading scorer in all of college basketball last year, averaged 23 and a half points per game. He entered the portal. He's another one testing the NBA draft waters, but he did commit on Friday. And do you know who he committed to? That's right. My buddy, Big Rick Energy, Rick Petito, and St. John's. And let me say this. Let's break down who Jordan Dingle is. But I believe, and I'm not kidding when I say this, I think Rick Petito has already created an NCAA tournament team in one offseason in St. John's. And so let's break down who this kid is because he's not only a really good player, but he's exactly who St. John's needs. 23 and a half points per game, can create off the dribble, very good three-point shooter, doesn't really get others involved. Kind of a new age scoring guard. Put the ball in my hands, I'm going to go make plays. Not to say he's selfish or anything like that, just he's wired to score. So he is a great fit for St. John's. He is going to come in and be able to score in the Big East. Now, is he going to average 23 a game? Of course not. But can he average 16 a game, 16 and a half per game, 17 per game? I believe he absolutely can. And so you now take that skill set with what St. John's retained with uh, the previous coaching staff, which is basically one player, and the players that Rick Pitino has brought in. I like this team a lot. So first off, the most important piece that Rick Pitino has outside of Jordan Dingle, he retained a really good center named Joel Soriano. And if you don't know Joel Soriano, it's because, let's be honest, St. John's kind of wasn't really on anybody's radar under Mike Anderson. Soriano averaged 15 and a half points per game, 12 rebounds per game, one and a half blocks per game. This guy's just a low down low. And Rick Pitino is going to be able to get even more out of him next year. There's a reason that this was basically the only player that Rick Pitino retained off last year's roster. On top of that, St. John's has also added a bunch of dudes from Iona, some great three point shooting. Um, you know, the kid Sean Conway from VMI. And on top of that, in the last couple of weeks, it's really when Rick Pitino went to work. As our Torres on St. John's account likes to say, Rick is cooking, baby. Added Glenn Taylor, averaged 12 and a half points per game at Oregon State. Bigger, kind of wingish guard, can make plays. And RJ Luis, 6'7, 6'8 forward, 11 and a half points per game at UMass last year. This is a guy I think he's going to be good next year. If Pitino can keep him for a junior, senior year, this guy has all Big East type talent. And so when you look at all the pieces, I'm just telling you, I believe that in one offseason, Rick Pitino has developed an NCAA tournament team at St. John's. All right, so what I want to do, do want to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to wrap with the big high school recruiting news. Mackenzie Abaco, five-star. Oh, he committed. And you know who he committed to? My boy, Mike Effin Woodson. Maybe that's right. Kenzie and Baco, five-star. Next, we discuss it all. Mike Effin Woodson. Take a quick break. I will be right back. All right, everybody. I'm back. 
Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap with what was actually probably the single biggest piece of on-court news in college basketball after since I've last done an Aaron Torres pod. Uh, and it involves a five-star forward by the name of Mackenzie Mbaco. If you listen to this show, you probably know enough. You don't need me to tell you the whole backstory, but as a quick 30-second thing, five-star high school player, class of 2023, graduating from high school like literally right now, was committed to Duke, and Duke got a bunch of players back unexpectedly that were we all thought were going to go to the NBA. They all returned. And this kid about a month ago decides to reopen his recruitment. And so we've talked about him a few times. And uh, the last time we did an update, it was kind of interesting because it was right after he had announced his final four and he had taken two visits with two visits to go. The final four was St. John's, Kansas, Louisville, and Indiana. Visited St. John's, visited Kansas, Indiana, and Louisville were still on the schedule. So we talked a lot about him about 10 or 11 days ago. And I said, this is why I think Kansas is a factor after his visit there. And this is why I think St. John's is a factor after his visit there. And I don't totally buy Louisville, but you know, he's got ties to the assistant coach, Nolan Smith, et cetera. And then Indiana fans, you caught me with my hand in the cookie jar because I kind of brushed aside Indiana as a legitimate contender for his services. Well, let's just say your boy Torres was dead wrong because about a week ago, again, I was away, but Mackenzie and Baco cut his list from four to two. Didn't even visit Louisville, which was very interesting. And in hindsight, probably should have been a pretty good sign. Doesn't even visit Louisville down to Kansas and Indiana. And even then, most everybody thought it was probably going to be Kansas, including your boy Torres. No doubt about it. No questions asked. I'm not going to pretend that I said otherwise. Bring it up. It's on Friday. Mackenzie and Baco made his college commitment and he committed to not Kansas. He committed to Mike Effin Woodson in Indiana. That's right. Shout out to my boy, Mike Effin Woodson. Look at that. Look at that. You like that shirt? You can get that shirt. There's a link in the show description. Mike Effin Woodson does it again, baby. And I got to take the L. I got to admit I was wrong. And I got to say this. How about Mike Woodson? How about Indiana going and getting this five-star player? I would argue this changes certainly not only the trajectory of this season, I'm not exaggerating when I say I think this is one of the biggest recruits that Indiana has gotten a commitment from in decades. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that this guy changes the trajectory of the program as a whole. And let me explain why. First of all, very good player. First of all, come on, this shirt's this shirt's gold. Come on, this shirt's gold. It's gold. It's gold. But listen, let, let's talk about the team. And what I would say about Mackenzie and Baco, first of all, as I said a minute ago, five star, six foot eight. Six foot nine. I believe he has as much upside as anybody in high school basketball. Can score at all three levels. Shoot, slash, defend, elite size and length. And, you you know, listen, we've, we're all fans of basketball if you're listening to this. There are times when you walk into the gym, high school, college, whatever, you say, that's an NBA player right there. Sometimes it clicks, sometimes it doesn't. But you see Mackenzie Ibaka, you're like, oh. That dude can play. That that dude's got every God-given ability needed to play in the NBA. He's big. He's long. He's athletic. He's skilled. Everything. And so for Indiana to get this guy, it's huge. Now, it's huge for next season because I believe this puts Indiana in the mix in the Big Ten. 
Now, to be clear, there was some confusion on Twitter on Friday when he committed because I said this could make Indiana the Big Ten favorite. To be clear, Michigan State fans, to be clear, Purdue fans, I did not say this does make Indiana the Big Ten favorite, but I think it's in the conversation. Let me explain why. First off, right now, today, as I record, middle of May, Michigan State would be my Big Ten favorite. Purdue, if they bring back Zach Eady, would leap them as the favorite in the Big Ten. But let's also call a spade a spade here. Indiana beat Purdue twice last year when they had Zach Eaton. So don't sell me that Purdue is some unbeatable juggernaut. But beyond that, let's look at who Indiana has right now. Indiana is returning uh, fifth-year guard Xavier Johnson, who was really good when he was on the court last season. Was the team's second-leading scorer? Was at the time, I think you would probably say, the second-most important player on the roster. Now, when he got hurt, Jalen hood Shafino, a freshman who is now a one-and-done, he stepped up. But it wasn't until Xavier Johnson was off the court that kind of the ball was handed to Jalen hood Shafino. He said, go go make plays. So Xavier Johnson is back. I think he's as good as any guard in the Big Ten. You know, he's right up there with Tyson Walker at Michigan State, and there's a few others. On top of that, they also added Kalel Ware. Remember that name? We talked about him earlier in the spring. Former McDonald's All-American, seven-footer, has every, another one, just every piece of God-given DNA that you need to be an NBA player. Seven foot, runs the floor, skilled, can shoot threes, can protect the rim. Didn't get a lot of burn at Oregon. And listen, there have been questions about his motor and whatever throughout his high school career. But at the end of the day, guess what? Guess what? The bottom line is if this guy clicks the way that we all think that he can, he is a top 15 pick to go along with the top 10 pick that you got in McKenzie and Baca, who I didn't even mention. Like I said, I think Mbako is probably a top. I think he has the potential to be the best player in this high school class. And I think he's a top 10 pick next year. Kalel Ware, if he clicks, can be a top 10, top 15 pick next year as well. I think Woodson's done a good job outside of those guys, fitting in pieces around them. Added a kid named Anthony uh, Walker from, from Miami, big athletic kid. Added a kid from Ball State, big athletic kid. And so when you see Indiana walk in the gym next year, when you see Indiana walk in the gym next year, you know what they kind of remind me of? They'll kind of remind me of one of those SEC teams that you see on TV, right? Or a Memphis team that you, they just walk in. Everybody's super long, super athletic, runs the floor. And it's like, like you watched Alabama at certain points this year. You watched Arkansas. You watched Auburn in previous years. You watched Kentucky in previous years. Like, how does anybody score them? Everybody's six foot six with super long arms and super athletic and can make plays at the rim. That's the kind of team that Indiana is going to have next year, and that's why I'm so excited about this commitment. Beyond that, let me also say this. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this is one of the biggest commitments for Indiana basketball in literally decades. And for people who don't know, we have the Torres on accounts, their team pages under my name, but we have great young interns and students and whatever run them. And so Connor is a actually a recent Indiana grad as of like two weeks ago. He runs the page, and I was I was DMing with him while I was away on Friday. I said, this feels different, right? Because when you think about all the great commitments that Indiana has had over the years, and they've had some, so it's not like, oh, they've never gotten a player of this caliber. But think about all the great players that they've gotten through the years. It's either Trace Jackson Davis, um, Romeo Lankford, Cody Zeller, if you want to go back a few years, but they're all Indiana guys. If you grow up in Indiana and you play high school basketball in Indiana, Indiana should be the favorite. Indiana should land you. And if they don't land you, then they're doing something wrong. You might get fired as the coach. 
Beyond that, there, there's been other good players, Jalen Huchifino, but he's not the player, the caliber of Mackenzie and Baco. So for Mike Ethan Woodson, that's right, my boy, I'm sorry, I love the guy. For that guy to go ahead and beat Kansas head-to-head, beat Kansas head-to-head for this kid, it shows that if they can go against Kansas, if they can go uh, get a kid that Duke wanted, they can go get anybody in college basketball. And it's not because he's an Indiana kid or he has ties to the staff or whatever. Because Indiana staff is putting in the work. Indiana staff is selling that school the way that no program, no coach in decades has been able to sell that school. That school. Finally, let's just call a spade a spade here. Let's just give credit to my boy Mike F. and Woodson. Because again, I was dead. I, I'm listen, sometimes you just got to take an L. And I was dead wrong on this guy. You go back to the spring that he was hired in 2021, and I know Indiana fans are going to come after me, and that's okay. I deserve it. Because when he got hired, I said he's been out of college basketball for 40 years. He's entering at a time when the portal is open for everybody. It's like Ellis Island. Give me your sick, your tired, your huddled masses. That's a transfer portal. Players come. Players go. We're adding this NIL thing in, and nobody nobody has their, their hands around it. And now a guy that's been out of college basketball for 40 years is going to come in and figure it out. But I quickly admitted I was wrong. I was very impressed that first summer when he convinced Trace Jackson Davis to come back, when he convinced Xavier Johnson to transfer in, all that good stuff. And it has continued to roll out. Now, I know at some point, Indiana fans want more than just a second round NCAA tournament appearance. But listen, sometimes there are, ba- there are baby steps along the way. Sometimes it takes time. Listen, I'm a UConn alum, okay? I'm a UConn alum. Everybody wants, oh, UConn, they did it again out of nowhere. No. Dan Hurley took over a losing team, then got them to the brink of the NCAA tournament, then got them to the NCAA tournament twice where they did not win a game in 2021 and 2022 before they won a national championship this year. Now, I'm not saying that Indiana's won a national championship. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is it's a process, and Mike Effin Woodson continues to knock it out of the park with that process. So shout out once more, one more time to my boy Mike Effin Woodson. Shout out to Torres, who got this one dead wrong. By the way, Mike F. and Woodson T, link in the show description. But listen, I got to own where I was wrong. I did not think Mike Woodson would be this good. I did not think this kid would be going to Indiana, and I was wrong. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you're not subscribed to the show, what are you waiting for? First of all, just thank you guys again. Had a great week away. Couldn't do what I do without all of your support. So thank you for everything that you guys and girls do for me. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also subscribe to the YouTube page. Closing in on about 23K subscribers there. Appreciate everybody who supports me over there. If you're not listening, uh, what else? What else? If you're not subscribed, make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, all that. Uh, And I think that's it. Sorry. First episode back. There were some bumps along the way. Shout out to Torn Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to Mike F. Woodson. I'll be back on Wednesday. New Aaron Torres pod. By the way, Tuesday night is NBA draft lottery night. And if you think Torres ain't going to have takes on Victor Wimbanyama, think again. Talk Wednesday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.